there's only so many things you can do to get more gigs. But if you're building a business, then you're building a model of something. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. This is Blissfully Aware, a podcast about rooting into purpose and exploring your creative process. I'm your host, Iwana Friedman, and I'm honored to have Justine Clay on the show today to talk about building a creative business. Her ideas are timely and are going to shape how creative entrepreneurs and freelancers position and market for years to come. She's coached me too. Justine's a business coach, entrepreneur, a writer, and a speaker with a soaring ability to inspire and strategize. Okay, let's make a show. Hey, Justine, thanks so much for coming on. How are you guys doing down the street? We're doing good. I feel like each week it gets a little bit better. It's an interesting space to find your way, feel your way, you know, little by little and the tools that maybe we had before either aren't working or they aren't enough. And you've got to figure out other ways on the fly. It is kind of building your parachute on the way down a little bit. Yes. Even as somebody who's had an online business for years, you still feel that way. I do. I do feel very fortunate that my business has been established to work this way forever. So I'm very used to engaging with my clients online. They're very used to engaging with me online. I work from home already. So I have this nice little office set up. Um, Unfortunately, it doesn't have a lock on the door to keep the little people out. Although I think they'll just bang on it until I open it. But um, so I do feel fortunate that that's all been set up. So there wasn't that learning curve. And I think it's a very interesting thing for everybody to have to figure out because there are a lot of areas where this really could be helpful. It could help people expand their reach. You know, they could be working with clients globally if they figure out this piece. And it can feel intimidating to figure out at first, depending upon the nature of your business. But for, you know, a service-based creative professional, it's not that complicated. Yeah. And if I think back to all the brands that I've worked with, we had team members all over the world. We were already remote. We just didn't necessarily label it as such. And so I think it's more of a mentality thing than a tools of the trade thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. As an online professional, you know, you do think, well, for years I've had clients in Australia, I've had clients in Singapore and Europe, you know, and I love that. That's a big thrill for me. And so even just that sort of reshifting your lens and just being like, oh my God, think of all the people I could be working with around the world. Someone actually said something really interesting. I've been doing these free Zoom Q&A slash brainstorming slash community building sessions. And um, one of the women who had been in one of my group programs in the past said the people who adapted the quickest would be the people who came out the strongest. Adapting how? Adapting the quickest to the new reality. Because another woman had said it in a different way. And she was talking within the context of marketing, but they seem to fall into three buckets. There's the people who are literally just like, I'm not going to put anything out there. I'm going to put my head down and I'm just going to wait for this to pass. And then I'll come back and do business as usual. There's the people who are doing business as usual, but with no regard to what's going on. It's just like the same stuff is completely tone deaf. And then there's the people who are adapting. They're still marketing. They're still putting themselves out there, but they're trying to adapt as they go. And 
she had said that she felt like she was in the first bucket, but wanted to be in the third bucket. So she was in the one where she kind of had her head down and was kind of paralyzed and was waiting for it to pass. But she wanted to be in that more leading edge frontline place, which is a very vulnerable thing to do. You're opening yourself to all kinds of criticism of making a misstep of upsetting somebody. It's hard to build something on the fly without any knowing of how it will be received or if it's valid, right? Yeah, it's like walking in Times Square without pants. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. But, you know, it was the first person's thought that those people would be the ones that would probably come out the strongest or would recover the fastest, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as things in life tend to be cyclical, I can imagine many entrepreneurs and creatives going through all these phases at different times. Yeah. So the real work becomes reinventing ourselves and adapting to this new environment. And maybe part of that means giving new life to old ideas that weren't feasible a few months or years ago, but in this new environment, they are. Yeah. I love that thing because what that does is it puts us in that creative iterative place, which in the end is what all creativity is. It's an iterative process, but we tend to back away from that. We want our clients to be open to the iterative process and to trust the process and to be, you know, to let go of their control. But yet we don't really want to do that ourselves. It's not human nature. But what this does is, is it puts it firmly back in that place of like, this is an iterative process. And you may have thought it wasn't, but it is, you know, just that point of reinventing yourself, just to go back to that compassion piece is that there's a huge amount of pressure to reinvent ourselves like on a dime. Mm-hmm. And everybody is experiencing this in a very different way. So I've got a couple of people in my group, one of whom is quite established in his career in a partnership, but with no children, able to have moved out of New York City into you know, a summer home and said, I'm so, you know, I feel this is a great opportunity for me to be able to really dive into the material. And that is great. I mean, what a beautiful position to be in, to just have the time to devote to that transition. And then another person in the group has two little kids like me, and he's just trying to keep the plates in the air. And the thought of being able to have even enough time to do the basics, let alone the luxury of being able to really dive into something or reinvent or to devote the energy and time that that takes, because it does take time. Very few of us have an aha in the middle of the night brainwave. Most times it's like showing up, putting your butt in the sea and working through all the 25 million shit ideas before you get to the one glimmer of a good one and then iterating on that and all of that process of putting that out there. So, you know, hustle, bro marketing, rah, 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 stuff that's out there, you know, it's got some severe limitations and it's not really how it works. So I think that there's been a lot of like online marketing and support around helping people build their business or be their best self that's being exposed for probably the well-meaning but very limited approach that it is. You know, you can't just muscle your way through it or rah-rah your way through it. Right. And there's no one-size-fits-all formula either. Like there's no formula under the sun that will serve Justine in year one and Justine in year 10, right? Mm-hmm. The market changes, you're changing, technology is changing, your audience is evolving, all these things. So, you know, no online course could possibly sustain you for the long haul. It's a shortcut. And unfortunately, shortcuts are what often sell. People want a quick 
answer um, because it's so hard to pour in the sweat and tears in that fuzzy middle that might take years for you to figure out. And by the way, I count myself in this category too. I've often wanted the shortcut. Right. None of them were the perfect solution because like you say, they couldn't be. It would be like going to a healthcare practitioner who gives you a plan for your health journey. And it's the same as everybody else your age. And that's it, right? It can't possibly be. So there's going to be nuances and different people are going to need different things at different times. People are going to be coming at things from different places from different times. So that's why these platitudes and like, well, this is great. You have time to work on that passion project. You know, maybe they don't. And even if they do have the time, maybe they're so paralyzed that they just can't move forward right now. And that's okay. You know, you are where you are, move from there and whatever that looks like. It's a fascinating time. And I'm really interested to see how things shake out for everybody, myself included. Mm -hmm. You're doing these really popular group workshops online for creatives. Can you talk a little bit about how you calibrate your call and response in the room, so to speak? Because as you said, everybody's coming to the table with their own specific context. It's a very interesting thing because it's a learned skill. I just want to reference back something you said before about an old idea can be turned into something new. So the idea for my group program initially started as an online program, and that was maybe five years ago. So I had this idea, not an idea, because that was basically what you were told you did next. You have a one-on-one practice, then you create a group program, then you have billions of people join it, you make money while you sleep, blah, 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 all that bullshit you get fed that's next, you know? So I buy an online course to teach me how to create an online course, and um, which you know, was very helpful. It was an enormous amount of work. I think I spent probably five months creating this piece, and then the whole technical aspect of it, and then the marketing was the first time I'd ever done a launch. It was the first time I'd ever done a webinar. It was the first time I had lists and opt-in pages and all of these things. And so it was, it was really a steep learning curve and it didn't work. I mean, I like some people signed up, probably enough people signed up for me to break even on like what I expended, but not my energy or my time. And so I ran it again a second time and pretty much a similar outcome. And I was really bummed because I'd done a lot of work. A, I learned an enormous lesson in that, which you know, build it as you go. Don't build the thing fully and then try to sell it. Build it out enough to sell it and see if there's an interest and then build as you go, which takes a lot of confidence. That's tough. And then it got reborn maybe three years later as a group program. And so I sort of repackaged it, repitched it, and people really liked that. Now, what was really interesting and what I learned was that coaching a group is very different from coaching one-on-one. One-on-one, I have this structure that then I can tailor to somebody. It's me one-on-one jumping in there with them. It's two brains on one business. So this worked really well, right? But then you realize in the group, what I was trying to do was kind of split myself equally into 10 different parts so that everyone was getting like mini coaching. So so there's that instinct. You're like, okay, well, that doesn't work. And each time I, I ran it, I would ask for feedback. I would also look at what other people were doing. And so what I learned was, And this was actually a lovely lesson just in general, was that as the coach, it wasn't like this top-down approach of like knowledge from me to one person. It was a co-creative process, not just between me and the participants, but between the participants too. So my job was to be the guide, to be like almost like a really great hostess of a really amazing party. 
I would conceptualize a party. I would figure out what the menu was. I would be the creative director of this party. But then when people would come in, imagine if the party was only like me talking one-on-one to my guests and then no one else is talking to anybody else. The sign of a good party is when you can introduce one person who doesn't know someone to another person, find a couple of really interesting things about them and then like get them off to the races, get them into a place where they can have a really dynamic engagement that they can then take out into someone else in the party. So you know, your job is not to be talking to people, but to be getting everyone else to talk to each other. Totally. How do you facilitate that? That requires different scaffolding, right? So a different approach and different scaffolding. And also you've got all of these different personalities, right? There's for the most part, always one person that will take up a lot more airspace. There'll be one person that tends to be more needy. And so for me, as it's evolved, I think this is the eighth time I've run it now. It's been an evolution in what I see my role as being, which is creating the great structure and the great content, but then being a really great facilitator of a conversation where it's me, but also bringing other people in so that everyone's benefiting from everybody else in the room. And then creating this scaffolding in other ways. So having a private Facebook group, doing a Facebook Live on the alternate weeks, giving people accountability buddies and being very clear about what the expectation of that is and what that looks like. And then being really clear about expectations as well. And just saying to people, if you start going off on a tangent or if it starts going on a little bit long, I'll pull you back into line. I'll do it gently, but please don't be offended if I pull you back in and redirect. The other thing is to try and inspire people to recognize what their responsibility is to the other people in the group too, to give them the responsibility very early on. As I say, you are here to be generous with your knowledge and insights, as well as to be receptive of other people's. So it really encourages people to connect very quickly you know, when no one's in the same room and everyone's really very different for the most part too. But it works somehow. And each time I do it, I feel like it gets better and better. And I feel like I get more masterful at facilitating really good discussions that help people tap into their and their comrades' wisdom because I'm not under any illusions that I hold all the answers and everyone's just waiting to hear them but that I'm good at helping people figure out what the answer is for themselves, whether it's from me or from someone else. Do you work with creatives in all mediums or do you have a focal point? I am more service-based industries rather than product-based. I have worked with product-based businesses, but the reason why I will say to people, I may refer you to someone else is my approach to coaching and my belief in what I think it should do is that the person should have industry insights. They should be able to actually support you in building your very specific business with some business insights rather than just like, I hear a lot of people say they talk to other business coaches who will be a bit more generic. I'm going to help you bust through the blocks and the resistances that are holding you back. And that's not what they're really looking for. They want a mix of coaching, but actually industry specific guidance. And because I was a rep for 15 years, I have that. I can write a proposal. I can negotiate a fee. I know about pricing. I can write a contract. I can manage a project. There's a lot of very nuts and bolts things that I have done for 15 years that uniquely equips me to help people in their business. And then a lot of other things I've just learned as I've gone along. So with a product-based business, there's going to be things like supply chains and wholesale versus retail and all of these things are going to be very different that I don't have direct experience and expertise in. And I feel like there's going to be people out there that do, 
and they would be better served by those people. So typically I work with people who are in a service-based industry and typically a good client for me is someone who thinks of themselves as a creative entrepreneur or a creative business owner first and a creative second, or they want to think that way rather than a creative who still has that freelance mentality and is looking for more gigs because it's limiting, right? There's only so many things you can do to get more gigs, but if you're building a business, then you're building a model of something. Yeah. How do you see that? One of the things I love to work on with people is their business model, right? Where it's like there's these different components, there's these nine pieces of a business that need to work together in order for you to deliver your value proposition to the ideal clients that you have identified, right? And that's what I really specialize in helping people with is your positioning, your messaging, your marketing, and the business structure that supports whatever that looks like for you. Everyone's going to want a different kind of business. So a lot of times with say a freelancer who has a very freelance mentality, it's just, I just need more projects. Well, that doesn't really take into account your capacity. It doesn't take into account your operations. It doesn't take into account systems and processes and procedures. It doesn't take into account hiring and working with other people. It doesn't take into account leadership, even much to do with numbers. And I'm not a big number cruncher. I came to this kicking and screaming, but you know, the fact is (laughs) if your business isn't making money, it's a hobby. So I love working with people on that piece of it. And I use this very visual thing called a business model canvas that's by a company called Strategizer that I love because I think it makes it very visual and very easy to modify and move around and to see this macro picture because, you know, creatives, and I put myself in this category too, we have a million ideas and the lure of a bright, shiny new idea is delicious. And, you know, actually making it happen and following through, which tends to be the challenge, is grunt work, which is less fun. So people tend to get very distracted by a new idea. But what this canvas does for you is gives you this place. Once you've got the, these components in place, you get a new idea and you're like, okay, let me put it into this canvas and see how does it fit. If it doesn't connect with all of the other pieces, without you having to like now build out something else or completely divert your energies into a whole new area, then it's a not for now or not at all idea. Mm-hmm. Punt it. Exactly. So I love helping people go from thinking, I just need more money and clients to I'm a business owner. I'm a CEO of my business. Even if it's a business of one, I think like a CEO and I think of this as a business because then you've got flexibility. So say, for example, I've been thinking a lot about you know, my business, just like everyone else has. And I was talking with my assistant and she has said this to me a thousand times over the last many years and said, you know, I think you should think about digital products. And I thought, you know what, now is probably a good time to do that. I could put together a digital product that someone could buy for 95 bucks that would help them reposition now. It would be something that would be actionable. It would be affordable. They download it. They self-direct. That would be of service now. The book that I was thinking about writing this year, I'm not going to think about that right now. That is not the thing that's going to help anybody right now. You know, so what that enables you to do is to have these ideas of like, okay, so if I see myself as a coach, a speaker, and a writer, that can extrapolate out into services or products. It can be group coaching. There could be a book. There could be digital products pitch myself as a speaker at conferences, right? There's lots of ways where that can go. So that gives you that broad view, which is still aligned with your gifts and how you want to be seen in the world. 
But then as things change, you can be like, okay, so picture myself as a speaker for conferences, not a good idea right now. Maybe I could pitch myself as a podcast guest instead, because I see that everyone's at home listening to podcasts. Or instead of writing that book, that's going to take a year of everybody's time. What about if I were to create that product that I thought about, but have never done, or do a down and dirty ebook that's just going to get into people's hands much quicker. And I can just put up on the website, right? So it gives you this place to a hone your ideas and put them into like what really supports you and where you're in your unique brilliance and what people need from you, but then gives you this flexibility to be able to pivot when the shit hits the fan and you're not really in your right thinking mind, right? Like you don't have to try and figure it out from nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what that makes me think of is starting with a goal. What is your goal? Is your goal to enable creatives to run a more efficient business? Then if that is it, it frees you up to build a thousand roadways to get there. Mm -hmm. We very often identify with the what we do or Mm -hmm. the methodology for doing something as opposed to the end goal. We can conflate the two. And I think I did that for many, many years too. Yeah. But I think that's something I learned very deeply in working with you, separating those two things. I mean, like, oh, yes, part of my thing is to also empower creatives and talk about creative process. I mean, that's what you and I are doing right now. But then it's also about something else. So as long as you're in tune with what your end goal is, and it could be something so simple, It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be this lofty yoga babble shit like I want to change the world. (laughs) No, no. I always say that my clients are looking to make a positive impact. But your positive impact could be like when I have someone that responds to a blog post and leaves a comment and said, this was just what I needed to hear today. To me, I created a positive impact in the world. Mm -hmm. Like it can be that small, right? So like you say, we're not curing cancer here. It doesn't have to be this whole big thing we have to get our knickers in a twist about. Like, did someone's life just get a little easier, a little clearer, a little better? Some sense of like, I'm okay for a minute because they came into contact with you or something that you wrote or something that you said. If that's true, you did a great job. That's a great signal, right? It's about picking up on those two or three really strong signals from two or three people that confirm or encourage you that you're on the right path. That's right. It's not about having tens of thousands of people kind of like what you do. That doesn't really tell you much. So that's why in working with you, I realized that for me, it's deepening that brand affinity for companies. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. It's not about the reach. Right. Yeah. Let's go back to your workshop for a moment. What are you noticing come up for the creatives in the group? And how would you steer this workshop format going forward? I was saying to the group sort of jokingly that I'll get some t-shirts made up that like, you know, I survived the creative business bootcamp of 2020, (laughs) Um, you know, because we started like February and mid-March, we were in a very different place from what we thought. So people came into it with an idea of where they were expecting themselves to be at the end, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, what's that saying about like, you know, you make plans and God laughs. So (laughs) This is like the classic, right? So when things really started going sideways, I was really in that place of, okay, I've got to acknowledge this. This is not like me pushing them through this process and beginning, okay, well now we're on module four and that's about networking. That would not be helpful. What I realized is people 
were glad of this little group of friends, even though we were new. Everyone showed up. This has been the most engaged group in terms of attendance. But that first week, it was really about just trying to ground people in what was going on to say, like, let's just find our footing here. If I wasn't a business coach, I'd probably be like, you know, some like motivational speaker or something. So I kind of went to that place of trying to make people feel okay with wherever they were. Right. But then I realized after a couple of weeks, okay, well, we can't stay here. That's not serving people to just be like, how are you feeling? Let's just rah, rah around this and feel better. Then I had to get things back on track because that was my commitment to them. That's what they signed up for. But then my job was to be like, how do I adapt this to what's going on? The fact that some people's business is completely ground to a halt or they're a travel influencer and they can't get on a plane. What do we do then? And so the work was to follow the lead of the group in a way and try to tune into what they needed, but then to also give them what I know they need as a coach for 10 years. There's that saying like, solve people what they want, give them what they need. It was a little bit like that. I had to tune into what they needed on that very, just like, I'm a fearful human place, which we were all in that place, right? I don't know what's going on. So then having to be like, okay, that's not going to serve them. They can get that anywhere. Now it's like, how am I going to adjust and give them actually what they need within this very new set of constraints? And it's been a very interesting experience and just seeing people at just such different places and stages and engaging with the anxiety in such different ways and trying to create a common space for everybody, acknowledging that without it diffusing out into nothing, right? So it's more about how do we acknowledge everyone's different places, but then unite people and galvanize them around what we're here to do. And also simultaneously trying to adjust what we're trying to do here to make sense within this whole set of new constraints, which in the end was what creative people do. They work within constraints. That's what good design comes from. Mm-hmm. That's why the most beautiful design is the simplest looking one, because constraints kept getting applied until it got distilled down to the essence of what it needed to be to be able to communicate in such a clear, simple seeming way. Right. Yeah. And what does your process look like? How do you integrate everybody's inputs? The 12, 15, 16 people in your group, how do you sit with that and integrate it and study it so that you can gauge your response? Do you iterate as you go? Do you sit with it for a few days? How does that look like? It's a really great question. Actually, as you're asking me that, I'm trying to think, but I think that my process has always been, and this comes back again to doing what you're really good at, building a business around your unique gift. And my unique gift has always been connecting with people and being very empathetic. And I've always felt an affinity for people and an ease in connecting with people in their place of pain. What my work has always been has been how do I connect with them in their place of pain without jumping into the hole with them? How do I do that without absorbing? How do I create a safe container? That has been my work over God knows how many years. So a part of it is just really working with what my gift is and using it for good for other people, but also for myself, protecting myself. But the other thing that really serves me, I think, is I'm very organized and prepared. I never show up unprepared to anything. So, for example, one of the things I did was host these group Zoom sessions, right? And so the one I did on Friday, I had an idea of a few topics 
that we could talk about that I had been hearing other people talking about, right? So I'll do my homework. I'll go back. I'll look over the chats. What were the questions people were asking? What were the things they were talking about? And I'll have like maybe three areas where I know we could take the conversation, setting the stage for that conversation, you know, saying, how is it going to work? Let's use a chat box. Raise your hand if you want to say something, you know, please, I want everyone to talk, but not all at the same time. I'll facilitate. And in that way, then I can kick it off and I can wait and see which some, when something sparks. And then because I've set the expectation of, of how we'll communicate, then saying, oh, Alan, I see that you have something to say. I'll be with you just in one second. Or Pat, I see that you made a comment in the chat box. I'll come right back to that. Let, let's just have a while and I've finished that thought through this. So people know that they've been seen, they've been heard, and you can bring them in. Yeah, it's funny. I do this thing before and it sounds so goofy before I have any client or I go into anything. Tell me. It, it's so dorky. Honestly, I sit down <laughs> and I speak to source energy and I put out a prayer to source energy and I say, whatever you call it, God, whatever it is for you. Right. And I say, I acknowledge that that is what I'm connected to. The thing that makes planets and stars and worlds like I am a piece of that. And I ask that I just connect to that. And then I say, guide my thoughts and words guide their thoughts and words and let this be co-creation at its best. That's amazing. I say that every time. So it just puts me in that place of like, it's not on me to have all the answers. It's not on me to fix everything. It's not on me to fix people because that's my empath gone awry. So it's just a way for me to sort of center myself, to sort of put myself in the ether a little bit more and almost see myself as a, a vessel for whatever good people need. And it just sets the tone for taking the pressure off myself to go in there and have all the answers. Cause I hate it when I attend something and the person speaking is coming from a place of, if you just do what I say, everything will be fine. I think it's wrong. When that happens to me, I don't feel seen. Right. Who's anybody to tell anybody what to do? Well, we're all insecure, myself included and absolutely myself included. And I find that when I go to a place of trying to tell people what to do and it's me being right and them being wrong, it's because I feel very insecure in my rightness or my safety, whatever. So to be in that place of, I don't have the answers, but I do have a whole shit ton of experience and expertise that I can share and I'm open and I'm listening. And even if it's just that, that would be enough. The magic can really happen because you're not getting in the way of the magic happening. You're creating a space. And I think someone actually described it once to me as like, you create this container for that to happen. And that really helped me because it was just like, it wasn't all me. It was, it was a container that I had to create for this co-creation to happen. And that co-creation could happen from anywhere. Right. So it's a mix of acknowledging what my gifts are, but also that they're not mine. This is just what I came onto this earth with, that they're there to be used, that I have some kind of a structure so I go and prepared. So it's not just like, okay, so what do you want to talk about? Because that's not doing anyone a favor, right? Like I am supposed to be the guide. Mm -hmm. And then to sort of use my people skills to kick things off a little bit and see, see where it goes. And then try guide a good conversation, ultimately. Totally sitting here listening to you, what comes to mind is this idea of an orchestra director. Yeah, You have a year to the ground, you're noticing when people are ripe to say something, you acknowledge them, but at the same time, you're still listening to what's happening in the conversation. So you have this, what seems to me like a great ability to synthesize a lot of what's happening around you to create this container. 
Was there ever a moment when you realized, oh, this feels right to me? Yeah. Well, I can tell you where I was not doing it well hmm. when I did that first online session. And the funny thing is, is like, even though it was an online program, there was still these Q&A calls. Like, so people were still really having the same level of access to me, but they just perceived it differently. But I had invited one of my friends who's very compassionate, but a real straight shooter. So she's not going to like blow smoke up your ass. And so I invited her to come through the program and give me feedback on it. And it was the first time I'd done it. And so on these group calls, she was typing in the chat box to me and she said, you're talking too much. And I was like, ah, oh, that's really interesting. I was like coaching, like I'm teaching mm. rather than, and then she'd be like, you know, so-and-so is talking too much. You got to shut her down. <laughs> She's like coaching you through the session. That's amazing. It was amazing. And even in, um, you know, she's come to talks that I've given in person. And I remember at the end when people are doing the Q and A and, you know, after like the third question, she was just like, cut it off, you know, the slitting her throat sort of like action. And she said to me afterwards, cause it just, it dwindles. You want to leave people wanting more. And so, you know, she was a really great I mean, it was hard, right, to invite a critic in a way, but it was a safe critic. It was someone who was going to give me constructive criticism. But it was so great. When she said, you're talking too much, I was like, I am. I'm trying to control this situation by teaching rather than put myself in that vulnerable position of just like seeing where it goes, having an idea of where it goes. So that was where I was just like, oh, this is really a different way of engaging and I saw it as something that had to be intentional. I had to learn and I had to practice doing this to get better at it. And so every time I've run a program, it's been a combination of me being aware of what worked, what didn't, asking people afterwards and asking them what worked, what didn't. And then the, the actual kind of logistics of it, like, you know, adding a guest host, adding the accountability, things, the scaffolding or these different ways to mix up the energy a little bit to improve the client experience too. So it didn't always work. But then when I got that feedback, I was just like, oh, this is a different way of doing this. And it's a new skill that I have to learn. But I was confident that I could learn it because I'm such, you know, when you say the synthesizing thing, I'm one of those people that you could put me in a party where I don't know anyone and I'll just talk to everybody. I'll walk around the room, I'll talk. I won't see my husband the entire night. Like I love talking to people. I've never been intimidated about talking to people. I can always find that thing that they want to talk about and we have a great conversation. Like, so I knew I could do it. I just, it wasn't natural yet for me to learn how to do it within that context, digitally online in a group. And so it's been a learning curve. So it wasn't like I was just like, Oh, this is awesome. I was just like, Oh, that didn't really go so great. But I kind of get why. And then it's like any other skills like cooking or driving or whatever, the more you do it, the better you get at it and the more confident you become. And then when you're confident, then you can take your hands off the wheel a little bit and go into something and be like, I don't need to know how this is going to turn out. I don't need to control this so much because I have faith in myself as a facilitator that whatever comes up, I'll be able to guide this in a way that is productive and supportive of the people who are here and that believing that they'll get what they need, whatever that is, even though I don't know going in what they need and what that looks like. And that's tough. It's an evolution. Do you think some creatives are nervous when they sit in front of you and they realize they're not going to get concrete answers right away? Yes, yes. And um, I had listened to a podcast with Krista Tippett where she was interviewing an executive leadership coach called Jerry Colonna, who wrote a book called Reboot, Leadership and the Art of Growing Up. And 
his whole thing is he, yeah, he was a venture capitalist. He was very successful, but deeply, deeply unhappy, like, you know, sort of really almost suicidal and um, ended up getting a lot of coaching as well as therapy himself and then ended up becoming an executive coach himself. And one of the things that he says is he drives his people crazy because they're startups, they're very gung ho. And he's going to ask them about like, tell me about your relationship with your mother. <laughs> and he's going to sit there and he's going to be quiet and, and like, he'll have them in tears. And, you know, it's, it's very therapeutic in a way, um, his approach. And he says, I know that they want me to come in as the venture capitalist and tell them what they need to do. But I know that the reason things aren't working is typically because there's people in partnership and they're bringing their whole selves and you bring all your crap to a leadership role or a partnership if it's not dealt with. So, you know, his whole thing is helping people grow up. So what they're bringing to the relationship is intentional and they're leading. So he talks a lot about the frustration piece. And I definitely had clients say to me, you know, especially like in their testimonials, I'll say, at times I was frustrated because I just wanted her to tell me how to do it, but I realized she was pushing me to figure it out myself. So I would own this tool. And my feeling very strongly is I, I can tell you what to do, but it will only be my idea of what you should do. Like, why is my idea of what you should do better than your idea of what you should do for a start, right? So there's that limitation. But if I can coach people to trust themselves, to tap into concrete skill sets that we're working on, like building a business model, positioning themselves, knowing who their target clients are, knowing how to articulate their messaging and their positioning. These are very concrete skill sets that they're learning. But then if they can then see these as building blocks and looking at a problem, they can take these pieces and build it a different way or try it a different way, right? They become architects themselves rather than having to come back to me again and say, okay, well, things have changed. Now, what do we do? Tell me what to do now. You know, I'll say to people like you're investing in knowledge that you now take and you always have that knowledge. And not only that, you're going to grow and build on it. You'll work with other coaches. You'll every other piece of information you get will integrate, evolve it, this knowledge base that you have. So it can be frustrating for some people. And that's why it goes back to the expectations piece. I'll always say to people, you know, this is the work. Mm -hmm. Got to show up and roll your sleeves up and I'll do the same. I'll bring 110% too, but we're going to be doing it together. I'm not going to fix this because I can't. It would be arrogant to think I could. Yeah. And it might not be applicable. No. And it would just be, so what am I going to do? Like build 30 more businesses just like mine, <laughs> right? They need their business. Yeah. Different things are also going to connect at different times. And that's why I'll say to people, you know, I, I remember having an introductory call with a chap who said, well, I've done a bunch of these steps that you're talking about that is part of your process already. So basically, what do you have to say to that? <laughs> and, and you know, you know, he wanted me to sort of give him some ninja version of the thing, you know, that didn't include things you already done. I said, well, with all due respect, if you had gotten them, you wouldn't be talking to me. It would be working for you. you know, there are only so many principles that are involved in building a business. You either need to hear it put in a certain way, or you need to hear it at a certain time. So I could hear the same conversation about positioning from 25 different teachers. And then I'll be in one audience and I'll be hearing someone talk about it and I'll be like, boom, I get it. That's brilliant, Justine. Yes. I never thought of it that way. It's so true. Yeah. Why is that? I, I think it's just, you get what you need when you need it. Mm. And so 
my feeling has always been have a beginner's mind. Don't think you know anything. If someone wants to tell me about how to create an ideal client profile, even though that's my favorite part of the process, I'm like, bring it on. I would love to hear what your approach is. And if someone's got an approach and, and there's one piece of it I really like, I integrate it into mine. I'm not trying to reinvent some proprietary process or system. I'm trying to find out what works for my community. And I also need a few different tools. That's another thing that I really learned actually during this whole coaching thing is like, you tend to teach people who learn the way you do. I tend to learn through stories and visuals. And so I'm very story-based myself too. But then a lot of people learn through hard facts. They learn through doing. And so you've got to build a tool chest that's going to be able to reach whoever. So another thing is that I'm very self-directed in that if I decide I'm going to do an online course, I'll for the most part do it. If I feel it's serving me, I'll do it. And so I had that belief that everybody else did that too. They don't, right? Different people have obstacles to doing something. Mm -hmm. And so going back to the whole group thing, how do you create a group process where no matter who these people are, they're going to be able to engage with the material or you in a way that works with their learning style. And I'm reminded of a woman who's in my industry, who's a coach. And it's just like, just do what I say. It's right. That's it. And I get judgmental sometimes to say, like, why can't they just do it? But if they can't do it, it's because you're not giving it to them in a way that they can access it. Mm. So it's on you, right? If you're not getting the information when you need it for a start, if it's coming too soon or too late, it's not going to land. And then if it's not landing in a way that you learn and you can integrate it, it won't land then either. So it's just like that coming together of those things. And who knows when that's going to happen? Nobody knows. Yeah. I mean, have you ever read a book and you underlined something in it and you were just like, why should I underline that? Right. It was so meaningful the first time around you underlined it, but then you're just like, I don't know. <laughs> and then you're reading it and there's a whole other passage that you're just like, boom, right? You know, you didn't touch that piece. So, you know, we're these like very dynamic beings. Yeah. Well, that's enough fodder to keep you going for years and years doing what you do. You'll never be bored. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that's why I love it. Each person is different. I'm different. The marketplace is different. What we're dealing with is different. So there's always going to be so many variables trying to sort of anchor that into any process or system or something. That's the work, making it easy and followable. And that's the stuff that keeps me a awake at night and also completely excited by what I do. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Same thing. I'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking about a client, you know, I'm just being like, oh, what is the way we need to approach this? And then like, you know, and then you find that tool or that thing, you know, and you realize that you didn't have it in your arsenal before, but now you do. And it's like, okay, that resonated, that connected, you know? So I'm always looking for those different tools. People come to me because they trust me and they trust my experience, but they also come to me because they like and trust themselves. Also very courageous and willing to go out there on the leading edge with me. When it becomes co-creation at its best, that to me is what I live for and when the magic happens. Oh my God, this is so great. Thank you so much for coming on. I can't believe you're only two houses down and we had to do this over Skype. I know, I know. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lovely way to start a Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. Blissfully Aware is produced by The Daring, a creative consultancy and transformation partner to purposeful entrepreneurs and organizations. Our theme music is by Ben Tyree. 
And you can get in touch by emailing info at thedaring.co. I'd love your feedback, your topic ideas, your guest ideas. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review so that other people in our cohort might find it. And I'll see you back here in two weeks. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) 